0: You are listening to Hope Fellowship Church of Jaffrey, New Hampshire. If you would like to check out more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit hfcnh.org. Today is, we'll get into it in a moment, but today we're going to be getting a kind of a precursor message into our series that we're looking to really dive into in the, in the month of June, uh, the, the series on heaven. But let's begin reading in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you, you have no need to have anything written to you so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for the helmet, uh, for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for these words. We ask for encouragement this morning. We ask, God, that you would teach us from, these, from this truth, from these words, as your word just said, encourage one another, build one another up with these words. Lord, we ask, God, that these would be encouraging to us. God, we know that you are returning. You are coming again one day. We look forward to it. Help us not to escape or flee this present life, but Lord, that we would invest and love and care for this this world, for this earth, and, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. God, that we would represent you where we are today. Thank you, God, for that. We praise you for all these good things and the good news about the gospel of salvation that puts a smile on our face today and gives us urgency to share it with our neighbors. We praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Alright, to begin, I want to uh, start off a little different, uh, see if we can shift gears here a little bit this morning. Uh, I want to actually take a, a live poll among our audience today, and you can imagine yourself a cross-section of the people, and uh, I'm going to take a live poll. If they put the first slide up, uh, if everyone would stand with me. We're going to wake up here this morning, and I know some of you will hate me for making you stand right now, uh, but see, I see some stretches over there. Okay, let's wake up. Um, we're going we're to do a live poll this morning. Um, in a, do you, thinking in your head, are, are you more of a, a morning person or a night person? Are you kind of an early bird or a night owl? I know sometimes it depends on what part of life you find yourself in. Uh, for me, when, I, when we had kids, all of a sudden I became this morning person, right? Because the kids are constantly waiting. Yeah. I remember in college, I, I, I tended to be maybe more of a night owl. I had a job late at night. Uh, I, I would work from like 11.30 till 12.30. So my average bedtime during college was, was 12.30 a.m you know, and so I don't know. That was just a normal. I turned into more of a, a night person, um, and I understand there's kind of sometimes a war. Some of you, I'm looking at a few of you. I know you are all, I already know what you are, right? Right, uh, the fillies in, in the world here. Uh, I, 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 I did say like early birds uh, tend to be a, a little bit uh, healthier, they say, on average, but night people actually normally sc- uh, score much higher on IQ tests and tend to be much smarter. So I know there sometimes can be a little bit of a depiction about who's better. Is it better to get up early or better to stay up late? Uh, I'm not really sure. So what we'll do, since the night people are probably very tired right now, um, they're probably sick of standing. Uh, they're probably saying, "Why am I doing this right now?" The night—it's already morning. Right, it's 11:30. Um, I'm going to have the night people. If you find yourself to be a night person, uh, a night owl, if you tend to lean that direction would you please sit down early birds if you tend to be more of an early ride look at that I actually looked it up. They said New Hampshire and New Mexico have the most early birds out of any of the states in the 50 states. I'm not really sure why, but it's probably because there's really nothing to do around here at night, unless you just sit at the shell or whatever. I love you guys, right? But that's pretty much it. So I, and you know the one state that had the most night owls? Uh, the most night owls was New York, right? The city that never sleeps, right? Okay, uh, but around here in New Hampshire, it's like, we just go to bed, right? You know, okay. All right, so if you look around, here's the night owls. The, the early birds are sitting. Um, all right, you may may all take a seat. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Now, some of you might be a little confused because you're like, I don't feel like I'm either. You might feel a little confused as to what kind of a person you are. Are you an owl? You're a bird? What's, what are they talking about? I actually found something the other day that was saying uh, there, that there actually is four kind of major groups of people. There's a lion who loves getting up early. There's a bear who finds the middle of the day to be pretty good. Uh, there's the late evening people, which they call the wolves, right? That's fitting. And then there's the, the dolphins. And they said they're the insomniacs and they never really sleep ever. So uh, the dolphins, they're just hyper all the time. Um, so there's four seconds. But then for me, I, I feel like I self-identify as none of those. I find myself to be self-identifying with this next picture. I, I'm more of just what we call a cat, right? I enjoy sleep. So if any of you uh, feel like this is you, just raise your hand. Does anybody? Okay. So, yeah. So a couple of you are like, I'm not an early, I'm not a night. I'm just sleep person. I just enjoy it. You know, it could be the morning. Could be late. Could be not. I, I just like to sleep. Okay. I understand that some of you that I feel like to me lately has been more accurate, but I think I tend to often, my wife's more the early, I'm uh, more the late person, especially with these Celtics games that go wait, right? Right? Okay. Um, my point is today in 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5 is to give you a visual illustration of what the passage is saying. It says to us in 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, for you are all children of light, children of the day. That means early birds are more spiritual than night. Okay, not joking. All right, um, I'm saying here that this is the picture we are supposed to have in our mind. We, as the people of God, are depicted as the children of the day, the children of light, not the children of darkness. There is a clear depiction. It's not hard to explain. Not even hard to picture. And yet throughout the scripture we have that very clear picture of light and darkness, of right and wrong, of being awake, being asleep, of being aware or totally missing the big day. And I know there are times in, uh, where, where it's hard to stay awake and this, this passage is urging you in that same picture, in that same feeling as we find ourselves settling in and falling asleep to, to be awake and to be Ready? To be alert and to be sober-minded, it's saying to us. You know, even as you can imagine uh, the picture of a, you know, guys going late night for their, uh, their last night out, the bachelor party before the wedding and they stay up late having fun and, and then the next morning he sleeps in and misses the wedding. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're late to it or you miss it. You, you miss the whole point of what you were there to do. You fell asleep and missed your wedding day, right? the picture of the church is the picture of you and me of not falling asleep and missing the return of Christ missing the purpose of which we've been put here being awake and fighting in this manner and, and putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation and and being ready and so this week I had intended to start the heaven series next week but I felt when I was led to this passage this week, I felt like I was studying it and I wanted to begin the heaven series uh, th- today. Because I think today's message ties in. In some ways, it sets up what we're going to be going into over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're gonna be looking at the topic of heaven. We're gonna be looking at heaven and from the perspective today of really in a sense, are you, are you ready for heaven? I can spend five, six, seven weeks talking about some of the major passages that describe heaven. We're gonna be looking at questions uh, regarding heaven, what it'll be like, what it's not gonna be like, Uh, some really clear depictions of what the Bible says about heaven, and then really we're gonna be looking to uh, pursue some common misconceptions about heaven. You know, is heaven just simply just an an eternal church service, right, where the pastor never stops talking and, and we sing worship songs for eternity? I mean, is that what heaven is like, floating in the clouds with little cupids shooting bows in there? Is, is that what heaven is like? In some reason, in our minds, that's what we depict is our living hope and our future is this cloudy, ethereal, spiritual floating in the clouds playing worship music for eternity. And that sounds pretty terrible to some of you. And so, like, I'm not really sure if I want to go there. Right, that's, that's what we're looking to debunk in some ways. We're looking to try to explore what would heaven be like uh, and some misconceptions, but also to say, how does heaven change my day-to-day living? Is heaven just an, a, an escape route from earth? Can we just forego our responsibility here and just live for heaven and we can throw earth aside? Now I'm going to heaven, I got my ticket, so I'm punched that ticket, man, I can do whatever I want now, I can do whatever I need to do here because I'm going, I know where I'm going. So these are the common things that maybe go through our mind, maybe not on purpose, sometimes culturally these things are passed around. What really even is heaven? Deuteronomy 26 says that look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, the the writer says. Heaven at, at its base level is simply God's dwelling place. It's where God dwells Once those two places were united in the garden, we found that God created the heavens and the earth and they were united at the garden. Sin has split that and divided that where now heaven and earth are separated. But God is coming again and when he comes, he will restore all things including the restoration of the new heavens and the new earth where God's dwelling place, as it says in Revelation, God's dwelling place is with man incredible to consider. Our sins separated us, but now through Jesus' blood, we'll be 100% united with God again on a new earth, worshiping him for eternity in a a heaven-like existence that I would say is more earthly than you and I would probably imagine. So we find ourselves talking about this, but I think it would be my job as a pastor; it would be an injustice to speak about heaven without asking you, in a sense, of Are you even ready for heaven? When I bring up heaven, does it is it well up inside of you an excitement, and joy, and a, a, and, a, and a longing, or is there a a dread, a confusion, a, a sense of doom? And fear. So today we're going to be speaking about this topic. We're going to be talking about what's known as the day of the Lord. As it's mentioned here in chapter 5. Where in the day of the Lord we we look at ultimately Jesus' coming. His return. And then our response, are we ready for his return? The day of the Lord is referenced here and really throughout the entire book of 1 Thessalonians. And many other places. It's a very rich term. And I know I have 20-something minutes and I'm like, man, this is a topic that is, is vast. But today I literally wanna scratch the surface of it. I just wanna be able to in, 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 open our minds to consider this. And depending on our end times theology and all of these things, I think so many people get busy and, and tied up into predicting the timing and the end and the news and the headline. We get wrapped up in that and we forget to consider what in the world are we looking forward to and we forget to consider what the Bible is just telling us to do in the present is to be ready and to be uh, fighting the good fight of faith and living in holiness, preparing ourselves to receive his return. Sam Storm says, I conclude that the day of the Lord is this unitary event primarily encompassing the resurrection and salvation of Christians and the judgment of non-Christians. There's this twofold aspect of his return, the consummating of this kingdom with salvation salvation. That's been promised for his children and to usher in the new heavens and the new earth or in like manner to judge those who have rebelled and rejected his offer of salvation. There is this light and dark right in our face when it speaks about the day of the Lord. And so then it wells up in with that. There's two main responses to the day of the Lord. There is a joy, a happiness, there is a rescuing of salvation and there is a dread and a fear and doom and wrath on the other side. Perhaps you've heard of uh, the word of uh, antithesis. I think I've used it in other times to describe uh, in literature and describe in the Bible when two things are pitted up against one another, things that are anti this is, we're talking about anti-Christ but something that is anti-against Christ, anti-thesis, these two kinds of ideas that are presented throughout a narrative, maybe in a book, a motif that's used to describe two opposing ideals that teaches a concept, light and darkness. You can, I found this the other day when I was looking up that definition of antithesis because I didn't really know exactly what it was but I was looking it up and I found this word antipode. I don't know if you've heard of that, an antipode. An antipode is literally uh, the direct opposite place on the earth from where you are. There's a cool website. You can go on antipodes.com or something, Google or whatever and it'll tell you exactly where you are on Google Maps and the exact opposite place on the earth. So if I were to dig a hole from here all the way to... Yeah, some I mean you said China. It's not China, by the way. Did you know that? So the antipode, if you were to dig, eventually you would be in the Indian Ocean <laughs> and you'd be drowning off the coast of southwestern Australia, off of Perth. You'd be right there drowning in the water. If you were to go right from here, Jeffrey, New Hampshire, all the way to the other side of the earth, you'd be there in the Indian Ocean. <laughs> so, um, but if you were to go to, say, like Hong Kong and you were to go directly to the opposite side, you'd find yourself in Argentina. And uh, so it's kind of cool. There's some really neat things like that. It is a very directly opposing thing. The antipode of this. The antipode of light is darkness. The antipode of soberness is drunkenness. The antipode of salvation is depicted here as wrath. The, the, the antipode of, of day. Is, is night. And you're like, these are obvious, Jordan, but the point is to get into our heads the passage that is so clearly describing in a variety of ways how urgent this is for us to see. First Thessalonians 5, 2 says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in a night. The point is it comes unexpectedly like labor pains. Many of you women know that far greater than I do. You know they come Unexpectedly. I mean you've been expecting it for weeks now like why won't it just come and then finally all of a sudden out of the blue whoops here we go right they come unexpectedly like belt to in daniel chapter 5 partying through the night he is the king there at that time he is partying and enjoying life and all of a sudden do you know this daniel 5 what happens to the wall there's writing on the wall meany meany tackle of parson I think it says and it is this idea you have been tried and found wanting and in the middle of the night boom the Medes and Persians uh, there is this time when they are attacked and doom comes upon the nation for his great um, idolatry and his arrogance against God there is a moment of suddenness of unexpected judgment just like the passage says In verse three, while people are saying peace and security, it often happens when everyone is comfortable the sense is not just because you have peace and security the Lord's going to come. The sense is saying when you find yourself, when the world finds itself at ease and finds it has no need, the Lord comes in the unexpected times, this sense. In fact, some commentator I read found uh, that the archaeologists discovered coins that were found during that time around the area of Thessalonica. That's a city, Thessalonica, uh, which is the Thessalonians. And so around that area that there are coins printed at that time uh, with the, the emperor's face on it. And the emperor had on a variety of coins the word peace or the word security written on those coins. So when everyone's trusting in money and enjoying the supposed peace that they've made for themselves and the security that they have physically, recognizing that spiritually is a totally different story. So this sense of saying that be careful of this aspect of going to sleep. This is speaking to those who don't believe and and don't have faith. Be and recognize what's going on. The parousia is coming. The idea of the word parousia is this Greek word that's used here in every chapter of 1 Thessalonians. The word parousia is translated from the Greek word, transliterated meaning it sounds like that in the Greek. Parousia is, is this word coming. We often refer to it as the second coming or the arrival of Jesus. Sometimes we speak about the first advent, Jesus came at Christmas, the second advent, his return. And so many often, like I said, so many people get into so tied up as to when that will happen. You get all these people telling you and predicting, just nonsense and hogwash half the time, telling you and predicting that the parousia and the coming is here and there. They'll pick a date and they'll throw it out. The news will pick it up. Look, Jesus is coming and this date never happens, right? It's the whole point. Don't get tied up in that. But get tied up in the fact that what he's saying is presently live like a child of the day a child of, ni- of the light, not a child of the night. We are people who are living in faith and confidence because of Jesus Christ. We get to actually have joy in that receiving of Christ the parousia here the coming the day of the Lord when he returns is not something meant to create dread in fact this whole passage is written the whole book of 1 Thessalonians is written to people who've lost loved ones who've experienced grave loss in their lives and they're actually worried about what's going to happen when the Lord returns will they see their loved ones again the very theme of 1 Thessalonians is directed to those people in fact in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4 but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep we don't want you to be misinformed about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope for those of you who have hope we want you to be informed when the Lord comes the parousia of the Lord is a joyous occasion it is a time of excitement where you will meet the Lord and you will meet your loved ones that you have missed this is our hope. And some of us even struggle to speak properly about that for it wells up emotions inside of us, knowing that we can't, we long to see that. And So the point of this is to encourage us and to encourage you and me to live presently like a child of the day who lives in the truth, who walks in the light and is eagerly accepting with eyes wide open the excitement of the Lord's return one day. Maybe it's in our lifetime. Maybe it's not for generations to come but I am supposed to live today and to be awake and not sleep. You know, you fall asleep on the couch at night <laughs> or maybe you're trying to watch a movie and you fall asleep and you miss the whole thing. The idea is those of you who are feeling comfortable in life, be careful that you do not fall asleep and miss the very point of what God has put you here for on this earth, is to live with the gospel, to live in the in-between, as we live between Christ's coming and we live in between his return, why is it we're still here? If there was no point for you here, he'd hey, take you home. We are here now with a responsibility to live and to present the gospel to others. That's why we must live, what does it say? Soberly, verse six, verse six. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and Be sober. No, that doesn't mean we live with fear and freaking out all the time about what's gonna happen over here or this, that. No, in fact, it's the opposite. Live soberly, think and live with faith, with confidence because we know Jesus and we have nothing to fear. So I don't need to live constantly in fear, worried about this headline or that headline. I live confidently knowing that Christ is coming again and let me then seek to love my neighbors as myself and to to share the love of Jesus with them. Let me be self-aware in these things. Let me live aware watching my present future because the fact is that he uses the picture of alcohol which numbs our senses, this idea of of being completely drunk. It it puts the picture of physical drunkenness and nighttime together. This idea that we are completely inebriated. Drinking often, one uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about it and he says this aspect of complete drunkenness makes our mind unable to see the future. He, Malcolm Gladwell says it, it creates that drinking puts you at the mercy of your environment it crowds out everything except the most immediate experiences it makes your mind myopic all you can see is the here and the now isn't that, a, isn't that an accurate description of, of no one it allows you this sense of being spiritually drunk this idea of saying I do not see the future I don't want to think about anything that is to come I look only right now And that narrows my focus. It removes my faith to trust that God's got control. It it forces me to fear everything around me and try to make sure everything's all set and constantly fear because I'm focused. No, 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 look up. Look for where your help comes from. Stop worrying. Don't be anxious. Live soberly. Think properly. Jesus has got this. He's in control and he's returning. What are you worried about? That's what he's saying. So often we have the opposite response. We worry and we fear and we're anxious and we struggle. Going to look ahead. Look at Jesus. He is in control. He is powerful. And there is something more. That's the idea. There is something more after this life. There is even a better one to come. And so this idea of drunkenness, this idea of nighttime, this idea of foolishness that it blinds us. We can't see. We're like walking around at night. We don't know where we're going. But when Jesus comes into our life, he allows us to, to, to live aware of the truth and we can see now and with eyes of faith, we can see what we're supposed to see. And so at this end, the passage tells us to dress like a child of the day so you can fight the good fight of faith. Notice the picture in verses eight, I believe it is, verses eight and nine, he, he says, look, people, you belong to the day. This is where you are. Verse 8 and 9 says that you belong to the day. So then let us not sleep, it says. Let us stay awake. But then we belong to the day. Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith. This is a depiction of armor, right? Like to put on, many of you know Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God, right? Here's a shortened version of this. In fact, this is probably before Paul wrote any of that. 1 Thessalonians is one of the earliest letters in the whole of the New Testament, probably written around 50 AD. One of the first letters, maybe Galatians is the first. Galatians or 1 Thessalonians are probably the two first letters written in the New Testament very early on. And so when he gives this depiction of, hey, put on your armor. But what's your armor? Your armor is faith and love a helmet that we secure our mind and our eyes and our brain, we see the helmet securing and protecting us with what? Hope. Hope of what? Hope of salvation for this light momentary affliction pales in comparison for what is to come. We put on that hope of salvation for the future. Don't go to battle At night time, don't go to battle drunk. Rather, we go to battle soberly, being aware of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, dressed for battle, ready to fight with the whole armor of God, with faith, love, and hope. And so the final end here, the conclusion is ultimately, where is it that we belong? And I guess I would say as a preacher, where is it that you belong? Where do you belong? You notice that in verse 8 But since we belong to the day. Do you belong to the day? We belong to the day. Verse nine says, God has destined us for salvation, not for wrath. Verse 10, so that those who sleep in the grave in death, though they are asleep in the grave, not in the sense that they have missed, but in the sense that they have fallen asleep in death, only to be awakened one day when the Lord returns to receive him in this place of heaven. Those who are asleep, they will be awakened to life with what? Look at, verse, look at verse 11. Sorry, verse 10, I apologize. We might live with him. So whether we are awake now or whether we have fallen asleep in death, our future is to live with him. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. Revelation says the dwelling place of God will be with man. God will unite heaven and earth one day and we long for that day to come. The question is for you, are you a child of the day waiting in eager anticipation with confidence in your faith and your love for one another and your hope of salvation? That's a decision I feel like everyone has to make for themselves. There will be a surprise element. Yes, there is a second death. Revelation 20 speaks about death and Hades, a lake of fire, those whose names are written in the book of life and who are not. There is a certain element of fear there. But yet the aspect that is urging us as the church is that we urge you to walk in the light. Come to the loving gospel of light because the light is the person of Jesus Christ. Can I just close with reading a few passages that I think will bring encouragement to you? It's not complicated. In some sense, I was like, do I, I need to dress this up. <laughs> the ending here, I, I just wanna close with presenting to you the light. In a sense, if I pray that maybe in your mind and in your heart you find darkness there, that we would expose ourselves to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say about the light? I think many people can look all over the place for light. I've been enlightened by this or that. Let us find ourselves as the church enlightened by the person of Jesus Christ, that we follow him with our lives and we will find that we are waiting (laughs) as children of the day when he returns. John nine, John nine says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming. When no one can work, as long as I am in the world, I Jesus am the light of the world. Matthew five fourteen, you are the light of the world. A city on the set on a hill can't be hidden, nor can people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. John 8, 12. Probably the key passage to this all. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have light of life. John chapter 1 speaks about this greatly. There was a man who was sent from God, whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came to bear witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. But he was not the light. He came to bear witness about the light, for the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world, Jesus Christ. John chapter 12, And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but the one who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. For I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. This is the word that I have spoken. There will judgment will come, he says, for I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who has sent me and given this commandment. And that I know that his commandment is eternal life. Romans 10, 9 through 13. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That, that is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is the Lord and you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So before I spend a month or a half or so spent talking about heaven, let's, let's think and consider for a moment our, our hearts and our soul and the location of our relationship with Jesus. Do we find ourselves and our intercessor in heaven making a mediation for you and me right now? Or do you find yourself far and distant from God, not knowing who he is and not knowing if he knows who you are? I urge you to step into the light, to confess with your mouth, to believe and to trust in his name. For we recognize that this is the way to salvation. John eight twelve, Jesus spoke of himself saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. And the second to the last verse in the entire Bible says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for these words, and we, we, we know, as your word says, your words are life. You reference yourself as the bread of life, the door to the fold, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life. You also reference yourself as the light of the world. God, as your light lives within us, help us to share that light, the light of hope, the light of faith, the light of joy and of love. God, that we as the church, we can live confidently in this world knowing that things are going to look up and down all the time. But we have confidence in you that you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We trust in you, Lord. We follow you as our good shepherd. Comfort us in our affliction as we prayed earlier for those who are enduring hardship this weekend. May you bless them. May you be that rock. May you be that shepherd who cares and protects us. Guide us as we follow you. Lord, we look to you and long for you. And we ask, God, that you would, you would receive in so many ways this offering that we give to you of our lives, of the service, the worship that we sing to your name. We praise you, God, for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.